This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 884, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Oh, I can't say that I'm the only one who's been a lonely one. This could not be further from the truth. I want to run into the burning sun, and I'm not the only one. Still up there. As I can.
My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and sitting in for my co-host Josh Lanigan is Dr. Ryan Haupt. Hey, Connor, did you know that the third chapter of my dissertation is all about uh, feces, like preserved fossilized feces? I did not know that. Well, just seemed relevant. No reason. <laughs> and welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 884, and we are doing this in honor of the memory of Josh Flanagan, who's not having a great time right now. And uh, just hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics, and we call that the Pick of the Week. We're going to talk about that book and other books in the week, the patron pick, maybe listener mail. We'll, this, we'll see. We've got a lot of books this week. And here's your spoiler warning. They're coming. Exercise some caution. This week, Ryan, you had the pick of, a, of a, I thought, uh, another another good week. Last week was good. This week was good. This week was good. I enjoyed reading my books. Um, there were a couple of possible contenders for the pick of the week, but when it came down to it, it was really uh, the first uh, the first five or six pages of Batman Superman World's <laughs> Finest number 16 that sealed it, I have yeah. to admit. Yeah. I mean, it was it was the Batmobile crashing. I thought that was an amazing sequence. Yeah. The way Dan Mora did the like R symbol for Robin inside the Batmobile getting swept out by Flash. He does a great Flash. I don't know that I'd seen Dan Mora do Flash again. And then it was it was literally the small panel in the lower left-hand corner of I believe page eight on your digital reader yeah. where Batman realizes that there was a, a AI super scientist from the DC universe who wasn't included in this plot. And it kind of kicks off the entire rest of the book. Yes. And it, it was just such a fantastic, like Mark Wade's deep, deep knowledge of the DC universe come to fruition, come to bear in this story that I was like, I, I knew at, on that panel, I'm going to have a good time. The rest of this book, this is the best book uh, being published, but this, this, arc should be be called Batman Superman Justice League because there's just like everyone's in it and it's really been allowing Wade and Mora to shine with you know a sort of a silver agey bronze agey you know look at the DC universe we've got the Flash we've got Hawkman we've got Plastic Man we've got Hal Jordan we've I'm just scrolling and I'm, I'm like Metal Men the Metal Men Fire, Firestorm showing up was a treat Firestorm we got Ollie Queen going from just being you know Ollie Queen to getting to shoot an arrow in a very you know m- important moment we've got uh Wonder Woman and Supergirl's back and Metamorpho's still around like it's just like and of course Batman Robin Superman Supergirl returns it's just like there's everyone's in this book and it's so good everything about it is good like yes. Wonder Woman gets a great scene. She teams up with Robin and, uh, f- you know, Hal Jordan's got a great little moment. As you mentioned, uh, Flash, and I mentioned Green Arrow. Like they've all got these great moments that Mark Wade takes his deep knowledge of this world, these characters, and gives them G.I. moments Robot to shine. Has a brief appearance. Uh, G.I. Robot. I mean, this feels a little bit, not tonally, but structurally, like like how it felt to read Morrison's JLA back in 1997. It, it mean, also feels a little bit like the Justice League Unlimited cartoon where they took the Justice League cartoon where it had been principally about the main team and then they just exploded it and you saw everybody on the, right. on the watchtower. Like this but is a little it, bit like that. And it's in great. Morrison's JLA book. It was like he just I'm sorry. Well, they he at the time they just gave everyone a moment, even if it was just a panel. It was just the storytelling was so crisp. And I feel the same way here where. You know, even if they're only there for a, a few moments, they get a time to shine. Like even Plastic Man, it's it's this is such a good book. This is such a good book. 
I love it so much. I love it with my whole heart, Ryan. I when I saw that panel with Batman saying, but yep. wait, why not? And then just he caught himself and be like, nope, please continue explaining your villainous plan. My brain, I was going a mile a minute to be like, who is he talking about? Because if I don't get it before the reveal, I'm going to feel right. like such a dummy. <laughs> and I didn't get it before the reveal. It was Tio Maro. But I know who Tio Maro is. So I was delighted yep. to see it. Um, the, the only part of this book that that rang a little incongruous for me was the... Um, Metamorpho throwing Hawkman under the bus a little bit, saying Hawkman can't take on a few Superman robots without help. That felt well. I mean, is it is, is that Cyborg Superman? I mean, they they don't name it as Cyborg Superman. I assumed that they were Superman robots from the the Fortress of Solitude because yeah, they're I, I assume they're not actually Cyborg Superman. But so no one I really feel like, likes Hawkman. Hawkman's kind of I know, an asshole, but so I still no feel like really Hawkman should be able to take out a couple of robots. Even if they're Superman-based robots, because you ro- just like him because are- his his area of science is close to yours, so you feel sympathy towards him. But uh, he's an asshole. He's an asshole. I love I love Hawkman, but he's an asshole. You know, he's the one in the team where I was like, "Oh shit, it's Hawkman." Um. Yeah. Also, we, you know, we, we've talked a lot. Finally, Josh has come around to loving Dan Mora like we do. And what this is this comic is not easy to draw. There's a no. hundred characters in this issue. And Plus new characters that he presumably designed. Right. And he's, I mean, the, they all have vaguely their Silver Age DC Comics costumes, but they're slightly different in some cases. And so that's something he's got to come up with. And there's just like, every page has like 10 characters on it. Right. And like Ollie and Will Morrow are in plain clothes and everyone else is in costumes. So you've got to like manage, you know, the costumes and the plain clothes. And it's just there's so much going on. One thing I did notice about this issue was there's a lot of shadowy, you know, scenes like Batman's in shadow a lot. And then there's the big action sequences. And so you've got these bright, you know, the Tamara Bonvillon colors are, are just as powerful as the art. Like it really, this book really pops full of bright color. I mean, like you're, I've, I've been saying it since the beginning, like this would be how I would take the direction of the DC comics, but this is also how I would take the direction of the DC movies. If I was James Gunn, it's like, you know, bright characters who are saving the day, who are, you know, happy and fun. Oliver Queen gives a little smirk when he finally gets to the bow and arrow. Like, they're having fun, we're having fun. That's how this should be going. And it is in the book. It's just so much fun. I just This is also it. the same art team that did uh, Once in Future. Yep. And I feel like you're seeing that in the art in a good way. Like, the design of the the robot that ollie queen blows up with his arrow like could be a character in once in future right is it this is it, are they also all the same team behind uh shazam i mean i know I it's know. i know it's wade and mora but is it also you mean, the, you mean the captain right right the title of the book is shazam i don't like it either but that's what the book's called it, it's it, i know it's wade and mora is it also bon Vion and steve wands i assume it is I, yeah, I would assume so too, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I couldn't couldn't say for certain. Can we add a third book to the roster? I guess not, because someone else is doing Teen Titans. But um, I mean, Dan Mora has to sleep sometimes, unless Dan Mora is just the name of an AI that we haven't. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm very not a supporter of AI. I think it's I think it's going to ruin the arts, but uh, I put people out of work. However, if you told me you could program an AI to draw exactly like Dan Mora and they could draw all of DC Comics, I would might I might have a conversation about it. I would at least talk, I would at least have a conversation about it. Yeah, but how's Dan Morgan his beak wet in this scenario? I'll give him a, a percentage of all the 
comics. I'm just I'm like, I, don't, I don't like AI. I'm just saying if you told me, listen, man, we can program this AI to draw exactly like Dan Moore and he'll draw every DC comic for you. I'll have I'll have the conversation. I'll have it. This wow. More more in the potential Connor Kilpatrick uh <laughs> EIC. Not AI, EIC. Yeah. When I'm in charge, for- I'm I told you I'll get fired. I just I'm so happy. I'm like I'm, I'm you know, I have no idea how this book sells. We have no idea anymore. DC doesn't they don't release Lunar doesn't release their sales. I assume it's popular enough if they're giving it like three spin-offs. But I hope it's pop. I just assume anything I love will go away prematurely, and so every time a new issue comes out, I'm always just happy. Anytime I, I go on, you know, line in the morning and don't see an email saying "World's Finest Cancelled," I'm happy. Uh, it's just, it's just the book that makes me the happiest when it comes out. Would you get that email? Well, you know, I don't know. I, I you guys turned off my Ryan Adai fanboy account, so I don't, I don't get those emails anymore. They don't send out press releases about canceled books, but I would be, I, I would be alerted if it was canceled. Okay. Uh, by my by my people, but um, <laughs> your agents in the field. Yeah, this your... is this is the this is the best week of comics. That com- you know, there, there's great weeks. Last week was great. Week before, I think was pretty good too. But this overall, this is the best week, and it's because of I think the the confluence of the first three books we're talking about, and also a bit about the fourth book we're going to talk about. Well, there there was a moment I think around the new year where you reached out to me and said, "Hey, do we? You know, we've been having you on." Every four, every four weeks for folks who haven't figured out the pattern. I think some folks haven't. And you were like, do you want to mix it up? Because you end up talking about the same books every time. I was like, yeah, but I have a really great crop of books. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not mad about it. It's a, it's a good, I mean, it's just pure fun. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to give out world's finest trade paperbacks for Christmas this year to my friends who are lapsed readers. And uh, it's, it's just incredibly fun. I know we keep saying that over and over, but this is what superhero comics should be, right? They can they can be many things, but at at, the, at their core, they should be fun. And this is the most fun I just went out there. I don't know how Teenage Robin goes on a mission alone with Wonder Woman and can focus on anything, like can focus on any part of the mission. I agree. I thought for sure we would delve into that a little bit, but they didn't because I guess things are very serious right now. But you know. Think clean thoughts. Think clean thoughts, chum, is a tongue twister, <laughs> and also uh, a line from Alan Moore about Robin looking at Wonder Woman. So, Superman five, I thought was terrific. I, I read was really this terrific. after World's Finest, and I it was coming down to the wire, and I almost I almost pulled the trigger on making this pick. Instead, it was so close, um, especially the final sequence with Lex. I thought oh, yeah. so, I mean, incredible. Uh, Joshua Williamson has written a lot of comics. He's writing a lot of comics right now. He's writing two G.I. Joe books coming up. I think this is his best writing that I've that I've read. And Jamal Campbell, we, we've sung his praises. He's just so uh, dynamic and good on this book. But the way this story was structured, where Superman's fighting Silver Banshee, who, who Jimmy's also dating, and because whose powers have been upgraded with Phantom Zone tech. Right, so she's she's being controlled and forced to fight even though she doesn't want to be a villain anymore. But is is powerful enough to like be a real match for Superman because Right, and so her her enhanced sonic powers blow out his inner ear which is controls his uh you know, microscopic hear, hearing, super hearing. And it'll, it'll it'll heal, it's just for right now he doesn't have it, which means the whole premise of this book has been 
for five issues, he's been talking to, or Lex has been talking to him from prison. He's been able to hear him. And, and, and the, the whole idea that there are like certain things that Superman uses his superhero to keep an eye on, like Lois's heartbeat or right. Jimmy's crying out for help. Like all of that is, is temporarily turned off. And so he's like, hey, you know, I can't hear anything, but it's going to heal, grow back tomorrow. But in the meantime, I'll just go on a date with Lois and we'll actually get to like focus on each other. In the meantime, Lex is attacked in prison and shanked over and over again and left in a pool of blood. I was, I was, I was like, wow. By the end, I, I got to the end. I was like, that was incredibly well done. He set this up issues and issues ago. It paid off here. And of course, now much like last Green Green Lantern last week or the week before, we now have to wait two two months to get the next part of the story. Because of the stupid night terrors thing. <laughs> he set it up in a way. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was like he did set it up early, early on. But in this issue alone, there's a moment where like it's really sweet that Clark is telling Lois like, hey, oh, sure. like, my, yeah. my powers are offline for a minute, but it means I can enjoy this moment with you. Um, Jimmy is dating Silver Banshee and she's in a band and she's singing a song about Jimmy's bow tie. And like it's very cute and heartwarming. Yep. But then they flip it on its head and they're like, but the um, juxtaposition, the, the sort of downside of his power being offline is he can't hear Lex when Lex is calling out for help. And Lex is literally saying like Superman saved me. Yeah. You can see there's a shipped. great page. It's page 23 on the digital reader where we have two columns of panels on the left side. We have the date night and the right side. We have the brutal attack on Lex. And it was just incredibly well done. Really, really. Well. I was really impressed by this issue. I've been loving this run. You and I have talked a lot about it. Cause it keeps coming out on your week, but um, this might have been the best issue of uh, already five terrific issues. What is this Night Terrors thing? I'm, I'm not. I'm so out of the It's loop. a two-month takeover in which the DC heroes face their worst fears. It's on the front page of all the comics. You can scroll to page two on your digital reader and see. But I don't want to. I'm, I'm going to be skipping it. And uh, it's just annoying that this, this cliffhanger will not get resolved until August. But what can you do? I'm not in charge of publishing. Anyway, yet, yet we can say yet, not yet. yet. When, but what I am is Nightwing, because in Nightwing 105 we are all Nightwing. In this, I, what I like is that Tim, Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo have been really sort of stretching the bounds of what you can do in a 22 page or 20 page single comic. We had that one comic that was one continuous scene, you know, no, with no panel breaks for 20 pages, and this one is all told as if from the point of view of Nightwing, so that we are watching the story through his eyes. And I thought it was really well done. I thought it was fun. I kind of started this issue expecting it to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least, I don't know. I mean, disaster could be st- too strong a word, but like, I didn't expect it to to work. Um, How come? But I thought, I don't know. I it, it felt gimmicky in a way that I wasn't in the mood for. I... Kind you had of a hard thought day. that you had a hard day. No, but I, I mean, my my heart of hearts was like Bruno Redondo is a good like Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo as a team are good enough to pull this off. But I couldn't envision a way in which pulling this off enhanced a story rather than just felt like a gimmick. Mm-hmm. But they did. They did a really nice job with it. Um, it doesn't hurt to you know wake up in bed next to Barbara Gordon. Like that's <laughs> that's a fun that's a fun way to start anyone's day. Um, but also, we haven't seen Bruno Redondo on the book in a while. That's true, too. So it and was nice to get him back. I feel like, you know, when, when there's movies, the movies that sort of revel in the the long, continuous take without breaks, your Bird Birdman's, your 
1917s, all those, yep. um, th- they find clever ways to hide the cuts. And so when you start looking into how they hit the cuts, it sort of, it doesn't take away the magic, but like I expected this book to be a lot of Nightwing is in front of mirrors and they did that a little bit, but they didn't overdo it. And I actually thought they found a sort of sweet spot in the middle where you see Dick Grayson enough on panel. It took me longer than I'm willing to admit to figure out that his word balloons, that the arrow is pointed inward to the balloon. Cause it's right. him saying it and you are, him you are him um yeah, but i still I, have I, not go ahead good i still have not gotten over the just completely uh overt flirtation between dick and barbara like i find that so fun and so charming yeah. they're a sexy little couple they're like uh the thin man you know they're like they're nick and Nora, but more overtly sexual it's great. Uh, like the whole, the whole thing with double dare's costume, I thought yeah, was really, she has to dress up as his, his villain because of, you know, they, they, they don't know what she looks like, but they know she's redhead. So she, and then the, the, the villain had already been flirting with him saying, you know, I miss it. I miss it when you used to chase me and grab me. And she was like, chase me. And grab me. <laughs> so Barbara gets a little faux jealous. Like it was all very fun and sexy. And that's what this book should be. And you know, the thing for me was after a while, I just didn't even, it didn't like, I mean, I knew what the format of the book was, but after a while, it didn't even sort of register. I just was, I was just into the story because I thought the story was really good. Yes. And, I uh, there, I did, we should mention just because people will say something if we don't, that at one point they crap, you know, they, they're swinging them through the city, they crash into an office building and it's, it's the office from the office, all the characters from the office TV show are in there just to mention that before anyone calls us out for missing it. I just, it's just, I thought it was a really fun high octane story, you know, of this, you know, villain who I vaguely remember, and we get, it ties into the heart stealer guy who the name I never always forget, but he's he's involved. So like I think this like was really fun. You know, I give him kudos for trying something and it worked. Lyle Shelton and telling the story of you know telling a really fun crime story and it's a one one and done, but it has also ties into the overall Nightwing story. So. I couldn't believe. That Dick drank the glass of water the guy handed him. Oh yeah, when he when he he handed Dick glass of water here, drink this water. I was like, don't drink that water. Don't drink that water. The guy runs a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. You think that's that's just a glass of water? Like right. I was like, what are you doing? I kept expecting to pass yeah. out, but he didn't. So I guess it was just water. I guess they didn't know he was coming. So how could they prepare Mickey water for him? But they're a pharmaceutical company. I guess he would know. I don't know. I, I, I the same thought you did though. I was like, don't drink that. Oh, but it, it is again. We, I like to point this out for people who aren't necessarily reading all the books we're reading, but you know, we've heard, you've heard a lot of talk about Nightwing on this show. You've heard, you've probably heard a lot of talk about Nightwing throughout the comic book community. It got, you know, lots of Eisner nominations. This is also a great issue to pick up just to sh- check out what the hype's all about. This is, you know, Tom Taylor, it's Bruno Redondo, the, the quote unquote primary main best artist in the book. And it's a it's a it's basically a one a one shot story, so you can you can read it and get a, a satisfying story. This whole book just reminds me of the um, the moment in Arrested Development with George Michael talking to Baby, and he just says like, "What a fun, sexy time for you." That's exactly it. It's a fun, sexy time. It's a fun, sexy time. It's a fun, sexy time. Ryan Hauft, I fanboy. I put it, so, dude. If that if that made a pull quote, I would I would get that issue framed after getting it signed by Tom Taylor and Bruno. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, we have to send that to them to get to get it considered. Please do send it to them. Contact at iFanboy. Is that how that works? I don't know. The Avengers seven hundred and sixty eight or two 
is uh, Jed McKay and CF Via, and you have you didn't get to talk about the last issue. What have you, what have your thoughts been about this new new version of the Avengers? <laughs> this is a weird nitpick. I enjoy I've, I enjoyed both these issues, uh, getting the, the new team established and setting up what the new threat is going to be. There is a lot of comms chatter of like Captain Marvel to Falcon, you know, like Falcon to Black Panther, Black, Black Panther to Vision. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. All right, I get it. They're talking to each other. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know. You have to say it. Who, who exactly they're calling out for every single time. Um, no, this is a, this is a really good issue. I l- think I liked this better than the first issue. Mm hmm. There, I, I, you know, I think we were all rightfully nervous that Kang entering the MCU would lead to a plethora of mediocre Kang stories in the comics to sort of feed the feed the beast. But right. this feels like a legitimate Avengers Kang story. Yeah, I thought it was really. I thought it was good, and the idea of it was good in that he he got you know attacked and he's dying, or maybe not, but in order to get back on the person who attacked him, whose name is escaping me at this very moment, this person is going to kill a lot of people. It's Murden. Murden is the name of this person. I've never seen before. And so in order to get back at him, Kang has a list of how to say how the Avengers could save a thousand people because he, you know, he's from the future. So he says, here's a list of things that are going to happen. where Lots of people are going to die. So you can go just, you can save a thousand people. And so this whole issue is them doing that. And that was, you know, it was fun. This is, and he admits that it's a bribe. He's like, I don't, I don't care about these people, but you do. So if I'll give you this list and you can go save them if it means you get me out of here. Right. And uh, it was fun. Like, you know, they yeah. save a plane crash. They save uh, a, a tired trucker who's going to drive his truck and, and fall asleep. The Falcon Cap tired trucker was my favorite of the of the, the situations because I liked that it was I liked how undramatic it was but realistic and human it was. And, you know, the last issue they emphasized that like Sam Wilson's on the team because they need somebody who's just a human. Right. And so I liked how human his quote unquote rescue was in this issue. It was really good. Yeah. I mean, there was giant like hostage situations and things, but this was like a one-on-one moment of just this guy. Man, you're not a bad guy. You're just tired. Let me drive for a while. And like, that was all good. I liked it. I think, you know, big Jed McKay fan. I'm, I'm excited for this run. It has a different feel than the Jason Aaron run. It feels more, even though we're dealing with Kang and we're dealing with time travel and all this stuff, it just feels more grounded and um, intimate than the, the Jason Aaron run did. And I'm enjoying it so far, even though it is annoying that it's basically all the major MCU characters in the book. But that is what it is. Yeah. We can't do anything about it. We don't have the power. Yeah, I mean, you're not even gunning for the EIC position of Marvel. You're focused on fixing DC. Right, so, like, I, I could do both at the same time. No. I'm not saying I'm not open to it, but, you're you not. Know. You're not James Gunn. <laughs> but, set your sights on just one thing. It hasn't been offered yet, so, you know, what can you do? Have Have your people talked to their people? Is that a thing? Let's talk about the Incredible Hulk. It's 782, or one. It's the new volume of the Incredible Hulk. Written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and drawn by Nick Klein. Nick Klein just did the terrific run on Thor. Philip Kennedy Johnson, I feel like, is all over the place. Where he's working for both True. sides of the aisle. He's working for a lot of books. I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to say this without mm-hmm. Josh here as the Mateo Sclera aficionado, but I think Nick Klein might also need to stop it. Oh wow. You're putting Nick Klein into the Mateo Sclera. I kind of am. I get I just get similar vibes in really good ways. I don't know. I'm like, yeah. So I was of two. Did you read this issue? You must have. I did. 
I was of two minds of the, on this issue. I really liked. That's a, that's appropriate given the source material. <laughs> right. I really liked. I mean, I had a lot of rage about one side, and I was very sort of benign. <laughs> the other. I really liked the Hulk stuff. You know, getting sort of back to basics on the Hulk after we had the Space Hulk, which I did not like overall. And then I this issue almost ignores the Space Hulk stuff and goes back to the previous run. It was written by Al Ewing and drawn by the guy who's bad. So we don't have to remember his name. The Immortal but, Hulk um, run, which Josh and I read, I think, the first 20 or so issues. And I read like the first 40 or so, but I didn't finish. I think it, it ran for in between 40 and 50. I wasn't super into that. I, I, I thought it was impressive for a while. Then I got kind of tired of what, it was, what he was doing and I stopped reading it. But I just like Back to Basics Hulk, Bruce Banner on the road, trying to not be Hulk, but being Hulk and getting into trouble. The the stuff with the creatures and the world of monsters and the green door and the people who are the horror empty. elements. Cause you, you but, don't like horror. No, I just, I don't mind like big monstery stuff, but like it just, I don't ca- I didn't care about any of it. You know? Yeah. The green door stuff. I, because that was all part of the alley Ewing run. Yeah. I don't, I, I, it's not that I don't even like it. I won't claim to even fully understand what it signifies. Right. Um, the stuff I do like in terms of the more horror aspects is I like Bruce Banner, either hallucinating or truly encountering people in the world who are like, have some bit of the Hulk in them and mm-hmm. they start speaking to him in the green. Like I thought that was creepy and good. And I liked the, the plot line with the girl who's got the abusive father yeah, that was and good. she's, she's super angry and she wants to be, she wants to be bigger than him and she wants to be stronger than him. And I liked how that reflected what it means to like want to be the Hulk versus like Bruce not wanting to be the Hulk at any point. Yeah. I mean, that's part of what I liked. I liked that. I liked all the stuff that happened in, in the town. It's just the, well, that, and that's the other thing I have to ask you. So this yep. is in, it's set, it's set in Kentucky. Sure. Now you're from New York. Yep. I, by my read of the way the pages are drawn, this is Eastern Kentucky, Appalachia, my, my home turf. Mm-hmm. Um, New Yorkers have a lot of strong opinions about diners. Yeah. What, what do you think of Jack's diner? I would love to go there. I would love to go there too. It looks like a really great diner. I mean, it looks like it's a little too wide, but you know, the diners are a disappearing treasure and I love them. I love, I, I, I used to go to diners all the time. Well, we, this is a diner that'll let you bring your dog inside. We, we call them coffee shops in New York, but they're the same thing. A and greasy spoon? Is that a, a term? We don't really use that. It's, it's really just coffee shop. But in a pinch, you could say diner. It, there's so many of them are gone now, and LA just does not have diners and coffee shops. There's a couple, but they're, they're sort of kitschy. And I, when I'd go on road trips, I would always try to find a diner, but it's, it's, it seemed like it was getting increasingly difficult to put, you know, in the face of jack in the box or whatever but i would love to go there i I mean maybe the food's not great but i would still enjoy it you know yeah i would totally go yeah i mean i'm i'm I'm, on the strength of philip kennedy johnson who i think is terrific and nick klein i'm gonna definitely give it another go to see how things play out are you that on the are you that on the edge though no no i'm I'm not on the edge but i also didn't love it i was like okay well there were things i liked the things i didn't like so i didn't uh I didn't love it because for me this this was a no brainer sticking with it. Okay, well, I'm just I'm just I mean I'm this yeah is I didn't I, 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 I had no point that I think I wasn't going to read the next issue, but I also didn't like was like I was like oh man that was awesome because there were parts that were like that it just wasn't the whole thing. I don't yeah I don't and I also um there's a page where Bruce actually transforms and it's maybe 
it, it, it's up there in the most grotesque Hulk the mouth was a little much the mouth was a little much <laughs> it, was, it was it was gross it was yeah i mean um, the body the, the body sort of becoming creepy and weird is it, you know it may, at least it makes sense but the mouth thing was a little too much like his his teeth all came out of his mouth and everything. but it's a good hulk design yeah i liked it i liked it uh this week batgirls number 19 the final issue of the batgirls series a book that I was really looking forward to and never really loved. I liked a lot of issues and I thought there were some quite good issues, but there was always something about it I didn't love and I was never really able to put my finger on it. Written by Becky Clunan and Michael W. Conrad. Art, this art by Robbie Rodriguez, who did, who did a good portion of the issues. This is the book where Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown work together as the Batgirls with the mentorship of Barbara Gordon, who... I feel like at times wasn't with Dick Grayson. Like I feel like the continuity didn't quite work in this book all the time with Barbara Gordon because they had her like flirting with a cop, and I was like, "Isn't she basically living with Nightwing?" Like anyway, not fun, sexy times in this one for them. But uh, overall, fun. I love you know I love Cassandra Kane. I love Stephanie Brown. I love Barbara Gordon. And when the issues worked, they worked really well. There was you know snipers and serial killers and all kinds of things going on. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I was never able to put my finger on why this, I didn't absolutely love this book, but I'm glad it was there. I'm glad it existed. I'm happy. It went 19 issues and we'll see where these characters go next. But, um, you know, it was fine. Yeah. I think it was, a, I, I say it's a solid book, you know, rather than a great book. Well, I wasn't here to talk about issue number one of Titans by Tom Taylor and Nicholas Scott. Um, so I'm glad to get to be here for issue two. Uh, I actually, do, I don't even want to start with my own thoughts. I want to, I want to find out Connor, you know, you had sort of praise and criticism for issue one. How did issue two strike you? Um, I thought this was better. I thought so too. Uh, like your thoughts on Avengers. I thought this was, you know, the first issue was sort of set up and this was now we're into the meat of the story. Uh, we get a little flashback to them as kids, you know, as Teen Titans, and because mm, Flash is on the team. That's <laughs> true. Otherwise, otherwise, just a back. The cliffhanger to the first issue was that they came back to the Titans Tower and found Wally's body, dead of a gunshot wound, bleeding out on the floor, and and they're all upset until Nightwing goes to call Linda and finds out Wally's alive and this Flash is dead is from the future. All those time traveling flashes always making things complicated. I mean, he time traveled so much that his wife's not Asian anymore. <laughs> right. it's, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> I, I I like this more. This more. This there was there was a lot of fun interaction. Like what, what you want with the Titans. I know it's difficult with the modern way of telling stories. You know, the, with the soap opera storytelling out and the plot 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 storytelling in, it's harder to have those moments where they're just hanging out in Titans Tower. But you need that with the Titans, and you got some of that here. I like that. And I like the twist where Brother Blood is back, but he's sort of uh, remade for public consumption. You know, he's he's not wearing the costume. He's not even console Brother Blood. I, I, I like that too. But the idea that like a pastor of a cultish megachurch gets to mm-hmm. go on late night talk shows. Hey, you know. Like. Who, we don't know what I channel don't know. this talk show was on. This could have been on any channel. But are the twist. The twist is that he has Garth in his yes, camp. That was Garth who turned down the membership into the team who said he had other friends. And we just thought he meant Atlanteans. But no, he meant the Brother Blood 
uh, cult. Which, this is almost exactly what they did with the Aquaman character on the boys show. I, I, I don't know if that's also what they did in the comics, but. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I only watched the first season of the boys. Yeah, I think in the second season they have the character The Deep, who's the, the Aquaman version of the character, join a Scientology-esque quote, uh, cult. So it's a little similar to that, but the 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 continuity that I made up in my head for mm-hmm. why mega why you know cult leaders and preachers get to go on late night talk shows in the DC universe is because magic is demonstrably real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like they have to take these people seriously, whereas in our world, like it's maybe less so. Maybe they know. they've got a really good publicist. I mean, they also have like. Uh, a black guy heading a late night talk show, which, you know, we've only had once and, and he's already quit. So, uh, I don't know a lot about, um, fireplaces, but I always feel like putting a TV on a wall that has a fireplace in it is a bad idea. Well, Connor, let me talk to you about a sponsorship opportunity the show might have later, because in my home, we have something called a mantle mount, which has a heat sensor. It is above the fireplace and it has a Uh heat sensor. And if the heat gets too hot, it will move the TV out of the way of the fire. What do you mean move it? Like, will legs, legs pop out? It runs away? Or what do you mean? I I, I can't say more without okay. uh, getting a, a memorandum of understanding. Right, why and, don't you uh, um, reach out to them and say we're open to discussions? Open to, to mantle mount discussions. Yes, I'm absolutely. Sitting, sitting across the room from a fireplace over a TV with that same mount right now. Wonder Woman 800. And we've had several of these, as, as a lot of these DC books who, who all sort of hit the stands around the same time are hitting their big milestone moment. We had flash. We had Batman. Well, Batman was 900, but we had that a few, about a month ago. Flash was good. Uh, this was weird. First of all, there's not like a mate, like a, the other books had like a credits page where I could look at all the stories at once, but this one had them separate on each story. So it's hard to go over who did what, but it was weird because the first two stories weren't even really, Wonder Woman stories like the first one was about the new Wonder Girl the second one was about Donna Troy at a certain point I just started to skim it because it wasn't really I don't know it's very it's just a very weird set of stories there was one where Wonder Woman and Superman were hanging out and being kind of intimate not not like sexual but they were sort of cuddling in space it was like what is going on in this book and so I, uh, after that one, I just kind of started skimming until the end, which was the, um, uh, oh, here, here's the credits page. So that's well, too, uh, too small for me. Um, the end, the last bit, the last 10 pages was an introduction to the next series, which is written by Tom King. Uh, and so this was a whole story about uh, the set in the future where Wonder Woman's daughter is hanging out with Damien and Jonathan. And they're they're the, they're the trinity of the future, and it's, mm. it's Tom King and Daniel Semper is the artist. They're going to be the art. That's the team for the new Wonder Woman book. And you know we don't know what's going on. They're 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 hanging on this beach. They've got to go find this thing. It turns out it's this guy in prison who is very important, but we don't know who he is. He's in silhouette. We only really see this his nose and mouth, but he has uh, he's very important to you know what happened to Diana. So it's, it's, it's just meant to tease us into being excited for the new story, which, you know, I'm excited for Tom King, Wonder Woman book. Uh, maybe he'll figure it out because, you know, most of these Wonder Woman books are crushed under the weight of her sim- symbolism and I'm not, not able to tell interesting stories. So hopefully this one works. But, I mean, it wasn't a bad anniversary issue by any means. I just, I, after a while, I was like, who are, 
why aren't we just telling Wonder Woman stories throughout her history and not worrying about all this? But, you know, it, it is what it is. Becky Clune and Michael W. Conrad, once again, who wrote Backos, also wrote all the other stories in here other than the Tom King one, which is another weird thing. Usually these anniversary books, you have a bunch of different people doing them, but here we just have them. It's a bunch of different artists, but not different writers. So that's what that is. So those are the books we want to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, all the patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown. This week we had an increase in voters. Maybe it was last week's announcement about the Patreon, but this week, the winner, pretty comfortably by the end, was Ultimate Invasion Number 1, the miniseries written by Jonathan Hickman, drawn by Brian Hitch, colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by Joey C. And this is going to, I guess, reestablish the Ultimate Universe in the Marvel Universe, the Ultimate Universe, which was, uh, you know, not destroyed, but was removed, other than Mr. Fantastic, who calls himself the Maker, and... Uh, Miles Morales. So everyone else was blipped away, but it's coming back. Do you, I don't think I can't remember what, what is your what is your ultimate experience or feelings or love of or hatred pro. of? Pro, I'm pro, pro. ultimate. The ultimate. When did you When did you come back into reading comics? Was it around the ultimate time? It was, and I've, I've talked about this on the show. Um, it was the Ultimate Spider-Man run. Uh, that sort of got me back into reading things regularly. The Marvel website at the time had sort of this janky early 2000s e-reader interface that let you read the first couple of issues of Ultimate Spider-Man for free. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is really good. And that was one of the things that got me going back to, I didn't have a comic shop in town, but going back to the, you know, bookstore where they carried trades of things and looking for trades of of things like the G. Michael Straczynski Ultimate, or, Amazing Spider-Man run and the the Bendis Bagley Ultimate Spider-Man run. So, how did you feel about it by the end? By the end of it, exhausted, time? exhausted. Like yeah. couldn't couldn't believe that they'd taken the opportunity to simplify the continuity and and botched it so handily into a complete morass of all the same problems that the main continuity was dealing with, but in in a, a fraction of the time. Yeah, it just goes to show there's something endemic in the sort of the DNA of. American comics where eventually you, you return to that point, you know, Spider-Man I think was always a great book through Peter Parker, that, through Miles it, Morales. It had the strongest through, through line uh, for sure. X-Men was always a disaster. The Ultimates was kind of annoying. You know, the other books, whatever, but the Ultimates, the first two volumes of the Ultimates I thought were really strong. And then by the third volume, which was when Loeb took over and there was that, that, I don't know what happened with the coloring job where you literally like, it was like a TV tuned to the wrong side and you could not see what was going on on the page. And I'm like, how did this go to print? Um, and then there was the ultimate fantastic four, which um, I remember as being again, good to start. And then there was the ultimate Iron Man book, which was Orson Scott card. Who's, you know, not a good person. So uh, I, I think I read that, but I was like, well, this wasn't great. And the person who wrote it sucks. So I'm not super into it. Um, it was, it was a hit or miss. And I think ultimately a very successful experiment. It brought a lot of people into comics, about a lot of people back to comics. It, it created a very exciting. I mean, even there was even one point we were talking about, cause it, you know, I fanboy debuted the same year as, as ultimate Spider-Man. We talking about how for a while ultimate Spider-Man was the best version of Spider-Man being published. I mean, it was way better than the, the amazing Spider-Man book at the time. And, it was like if you want to be reading, you know, Spider-Man comics, Ultimate Spider-Man's where it's at. By the end of it, it all even with Miles was also great, but by the end of it, it got so messy that I think it was welcome to sort of 
send it off onto its mortal coil for a while, but we're bringing it back because it's the blessing and the curse of comics is you can always bring everything back. And Jonathan Hickman, I think was, was he the one that shut it down? I honestly don't even remember and I don't even really care. Yeah. There were, I feel like it got quasi or faux shut down a number of times. It was like ultimate extinction and other events that happened. I feel like I've been hearing rumors for a while. He's been wanting to bring it back. And so here we are with, uh, it opens with a, a jailbreak in which these mercenaries are busting. We're going to just call him the maker. He is the evil Mr. Mr. Fantastic from the ultimate universe, busting him out of his shield black site prison. And it's a very, uh, gross body horror situation in which he takes all the bodies of the mercenaries and melts them into one body that mimics his so he can escape while they still think he's in prison. And that alerts once, once it's found out that alerts the, you know, 616, Mr. Fantastic and a black Panther with very distinct cat eyes on his costume. And they seem to reform the, the Illuminati, which I thought well, they weren't allowed to do anymore, but here we go. Black Bolt and Namor and Professor Xavier, Iron Man and Doctor Strange to discuss the problem of the maker being loose and him stealing all these powerful artifacts from around the Marvel Universe. Going to visit Miles Morales with the... Is that how his hair looks now? <laughs> is, this, is he the Jonathan Kent of the MCU? Miles Morales? He ha- he's both a receding hairline and strange cuts into his hair. Like the first time I it saw him, it looks like, like it's like Wesley Snipes blade. It's like, what is going on haircut. with Miles? Like he's got a receding hairline. So I, I actually really liked this issue. The main problem I had is the maker escapes his confines through yeah. sort of a, what I thought was a pretty effective heist sequence. Sure. And then all he wants to do is escape the six one six and go somewhere else. And the Illuminati are like, no, you can't. And I'm like, Fucking why? Like, he just wants to leave. He's a huge problem if he exists in your universe. Just let him go. Like, who well, cares? that's, like, I mean, well, because it's like no, anything. No, they know, they know wherever go. he goes, he's going to be an evil tyrant. And it's the same way who cares? You, could, you could, well, you could say, why did Superman go to War World and, and spend all this time? He could say, who cares and go back home to Earth and let them deal with it himself? Because heroes can't do that. You know? Uh, the, I, I mean, but I think it's well established the Illuminati are like, I don't know. Are they really heroes? Like they're meddlers. They're they're meddling and shit. Like let let the dude go. He just wants to leave. He's a huge problem. Let him go be someone else's problem. I didn't didn't buy it. Didn't like it. I like this issue. I thought it was fun. I'm I'm you know I, I'm, I'm I like Hickman. He doesn't always work, but I like him generally as an art. Here, here's the thing. I think I think I discussed something about this with an episode where it was just me and Josh. Mm-hmm. I think. So I'll ask it to you. Yep. Do you notice the thing that sets the ultimate characters apart from the 616 characters? Do I notice? What do you mean? Do I notice? There's a visual indicator. Their dialogue? Yeah. The lowercase writing versus the caps writing. I love that little, that subtle thing. Because I think it's, I mean, my memory is that that's how the ultimate comics were. And so it's a legitimate distinction between the, the ultimate universe and the 616. And I just think... It is one of the cleverest ways to distinguish this character is literally not from the same plane of existence that, yeah. that you are from. No, I, I like it. I like the ultimate universe. I thought, you know, it's a fun idea. It's almost like the, you know, the, the in Star Trek, the mirror universe, you know, it's just, it's fun to play with. And I realized <laughs> we're, the maker needs a goatee. Yeah. We're in like 
multiverse overload. We talked about this on this week's special edition show. It's like, it's overload. However, I like it. Uh, at least I like it here. And um, I, this is only a four-issue mini. If, if anything, the somewhat dated aspect of it is the Brian Hitch art, which, you know. I thought this was a pretty good Hitch. It's not bad Hitch. It's just he draws characters in a way that maybe they don't look anymore, you know, and he draws Miles Morales to look really older and heavier than not he- like, he- like, but like on the cover, he looks like a big dude. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just like just watched yep. across the multi across the spider verse, but you know, it's just, it's just slightly different. I don't know that that's not really Iron Man's costume and or or suit and whatever. It's fine. It's just, no, no, I, I noticed all that too. Um, and the thing about the cover that, that struck me was, I, you know, I saw the maker and I saw miles. And so I thought that these were all of all these characters on the cover were ultimate universe characters. I should have realized if Reed Richards is on the cover with the maker, then it's not. Cause I don't know. I don't remember if they ever did a ultimate version of black Panther. And I don't think they ever did the inhumans in, in the ultimate universe. Uh, I don't remember. It's been so long. I just don't remember. I'm sure they did at some point. They basically covered all the ground, I think. I don't know if they ever did the Inhumans. Right in, listeners. But ultimately, I thought this was fun. Ultimately. I didn't mean to do that. That just came out. Uh, I thought it was fun. I thought the pencils in the back, they showed the uninked pencils are really good. The Hickman, not Hickman, but the um, the uh, uh, Hitch. Oh, I forgot. The big, the big cliffhanger here is... For an oversized issue, it read very smoothly and and quickly. It was not a slog to get through. So the cliffhanger is that, I guess, in this new Ultimate Universe that the maker has created, 6160, uh, he goes and stops Peter Parker from becoming Spider-Man. He goes to the lab, and as the spider is about to land on Peter, he snatches it and puts it in a vial. And so now in this new, you know, it's like uh, the butterfly effect, right? In this new Marvel universe, there's now no Spider-Man. So the the original Ultimate Universe, instead of being 616, it was the 1610 universe. Was it? And so, yes. Okay. And so I, I, I just looked it up to double check. Um, so the universe that the maker goes to is the 6160. So it's just the 1610, but the first three numbers flipped. Or I guess swapped. But the other thing is the the original the the original Ultimate Spider-Man. The spider was never irradiated. It was just a genetically modified Spider-Man by Oscorp. Right. So this is already sort of it's already playing with tropes blending the Ultimate Universe versus the six and six universe. Also, like Liz was Liz Allen was really mean to Peter. Yeah, she was jerks, and I didn't I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. I, I this might be slightly controversial, but if if a new Ultimate Universe comes out of this, I wonder what they do with Miles if they put him in there. I would like to see something done with Miles that would honor his Give character, him a place of status. Yeah, I don't read his book. I don't know if you know there is one currently. Um, he's a great character who has sort of floundered in my eyes since coming over to the six one six. He's just the other Spider Man, and. You know, in the Ultimate Universe, he had the place of pride. He was Spider-Man, and right. So, if if they're going to bring it back, maybe this is a way to bring him back into 
into being a central character because he's not. I don't. One. I don't think they do bring it back. I don't. I don't think that this is what this is setting up. Personally, I don't, I, I don't know. We'll find out. That's the fun of it. But it would be now. Did they announce they're casting Neil Patrick Harris as Mister Fantastic, or was that just a Brian Hitch? It only kind of looks like him. Not, not totally. All right. It's well, not like yeah. Neil Patrick Jackson. Harris doesn't have a giant. <laughs> Again, the ultimate version of which has three claw marks over his eyes just like this that's Neil how Patrick you know they're from the ultimate universe they don't have goatees they've got claw marks over their eyes three claw marks over their eyes although apparently it doesn't require you to wear an eye patch uh on secret invasion so ultimate invasion number one patron pick ratings 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 huh um i'm hovering around four four out of five I could, I think if anything, I would maybe go a little lower, but I don't think I can justify it. I think four out of five is where I'm at. I'm going to go. This is a really solid issue. I'm going to go three, seven, five. Yeah. 3.75, not 375. 3.75. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I'm looking forward to more. I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. I, you know, I have a soft spot for the ultimate universe and I'm looking forward to it. So we're both sticking with it. Yeah, totally. Four, four issues. I can swing that. I can spider swing that. All right. So quick break now to talk about, uh, you know, last week we had our big Patreon announcement, how we are, you know, sort of overhauled everything. We added a bunch of merch for you to enjoy. And so uh, hopefully uh, that was exciting. Lots of people did uh, join up and also, you know, change their tiers to get different merch. That was fun to see. So what is patreon.com slash fanboy? It's a way to directly support the show. It is our primary source of support. It helps. Uh, it actually benefits everyone. And every listener of the show is benefited by the patrons. They unlocked shows. They unlocked the media explode and the talk explode and the book explodes. And uh, they're, you know, they. If you want to join, you can help uh, support the show and also become part of a great community on Discord and Facebook, as well as on the monthly patron hangout, which happened this past weekend. Uh, so now, as we mentioned last week, we have a uh, we now have a tier exclusive merch system. Depending on your level of support, every three months you will receive, not every three months, after three months, you will receive a uh, Junior, junior Jamoke t-shirt or a tote bag or a hoodie. And there's also a sticker, a mug, and a poster. And plus at the $5 or higher level, you get your patron power like always, and you get access to the Discord server. And the $10 or higher level, you get access to an ad-free feed of the show. This is not an ad, but you get the other ads will be gone for your from your feed. So... Check it out. At, uh, there's details at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Again, after three months of signing up, you get your tier appropriate piece of merch. If you want other merch, you can change your tier after three months. Just like that. There's all kinds of merch. Hopefully you enjoy it. We like it a lot. I wish I had a Junior Jamoke t-shirt. I don't have one because I'm not a patron. Patron. Patreon. That That's still a problem for me. Ifanboy.thrillist.com. That's our t-shirt store. Uh, we have our new shirt, the Fanboy Pride shirt. Half of all proceeds uh, of every dollar that goes to that shirt, half of them will go to the It Gets Better project. And so hopefully you check that out. We A bunch of people did. Thank you for that. So that means we have 13 designs at the store currently. We have more we're working on. There'll be more by the end of the year. And thank, check that out. Also, you can celebrate the official beginning of summer with $14 tees at the store. Everything else is in their shop is up to 30% off for a limited time. I believe it's at least a week. They usually They usually almost always extend their sale beyond what they initially say but right now as you listen to the show you've got at least a week for 14 dollar t-shirts at the ifanboy.threadless.com shirt and again other merch is up to 30 percent off ifanboy.com slash support is our paypal jar that's our tip jar 
fm.com slash Amazon links our books, blood books, as well as a general shopping link and bookshop.org is our partner to help support local bookstores. You can find those links on the books, blood posts where and where appropriate. And we thank everyone who supports the show. Like we said last week, it's, it's, you know, how we keep going. It's how we pay the bills. I was just talking to Ryan earlier before the show about how my iPad is starting to cough smoke. That'll have to be replaced eventually. And then and you, you will help me be able to do that because that's how I read the books to do the show. And so we thank you. The show literally couldn't happen without anybody supporting in any of the various ways we just discussed. Thanks again. So now let's give the patron power. As we mentioned at the $5 or higher level, you still get a patron power live on the show. It's one of our favorite things we do. And this week, uh, Ryan has that honor. That is true. And the honor is bestowed upon Benjamin Gosney, who uh, has a sobriquet. Or is this, is this T-Silent on that? Is this sober K? Sober K. I think it's sober K, but I don't know. All right. We don't have don't our, know. we don't have our Francophone on here with us, Josh Flanagan, but I've um, been to France way more times than he has been to France, by the way. Oh, is that right? Eh? I don't think he's ever even been That's to France. My, that was my best Mainer accent. I don't know that I can do better. Okay. Um, Benjamin Gosney is the logger. He has all the powers of the ultimate logger. A logger, like 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 trees, like one who cuts down logs. So like he knows he can he can be a ball hooter, which okay. is the worker who rolled logs down a hill to a skid road or landing. He knows how to use a choker. Hmm. Uh, he he's a gandy dancer. He can, so he can lay. Is he just track? a logger? No, no, he's the ultimate logger. Like like typically in a logging camp. I, uh-huh. I, where where I'm staying right now used mm-hmm. to be a hundred years ago a logging camp. So uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, it, it, the the all the trails and and roads and everything around where I'm staying there are all these weird names. And I I've been coming to this area. It's Snowshoe Mountain in West Virginia, and I've been coming to this area since I was a kid. I never realized that all the names of everything these weird terms were logging terms, and I only realized that embarrassingly recently. And so. Now it has it has caused um, Benjamin Gosney to manifest all the powers of a logger. So he can throw a hoot nanny, which is a dance, an old barn dance. Uh, he's an excellent knot bumper. He can cut the limbs from a felled tree. He's a powder monkey. He can handle the dynamite. So he just intuitively knows how to use all the lo- all logging equipment. Uh, yeah, he's the ultimate logger. Like better anything than, better it, than anybody's ever used it. it but in in addition to the cultural aspects of logging, like there's mm-hmm. nothing like there's nothing about throwing a hootenanny that that actually helps you fell a tree but it's an important part of the logging culture right so he, everything about the culture he's he's the best at yeah his hootenannies are the best hootenannies he's the ultimate logger he he can take he can take take down all the widow makers you got hanging above you which is a broken limb hanging uh loose in the top of a tree he's just the best logger ever patreon.com slash ifanboy thank you benjamin for being a patron at the five dollar higher level and if you want your superpower live on the show you can do that by joining Patreon. Let's do an email. We got two of them. We made it. Old man Tony from the hellscape of Phoenix, Arizona. His words, not mine. Says, Grant Morrison has consistently been regarded as a writer who, quote, swings for the fences. They may not, they may not always produce the best thing, but when they do, it's memorable. As a result, a lot of us stick with their offerings. Morrison excluded. Do you have any personal favorite creators that tend to follow the same trend who you will stick with in hopes of seeing them knock it out of the park despite the occasional stumble. It's a good question. It is. I mean, it's, it's almost every writer. I mean, not every writer, you know, is always great, but Morrison gets that 
reputation because they tell big, challenging stories that don't right. always work. I mean, and there's not a lot of those writers out there. Yeah, he'll do something. They will do something like their Justice League run, where it's just some of the best superheroing comics you've ever seen. But then they will also do something like the Invisibles, which is fascinating and interesting, but borderline like it's nigh incomprehensible. Right. It, which I don't mean to be a dig. Like there, there's no, clearly no, no. something true. there. There, there's a reason why Grant Morrison uh, inhabits this rarefied place in the world because no one else kind of writes like they do. And, uh, I, I mean, on a, on a keyboard. Yeah. I mean, you don't even know how Grant Morrison writes. I couldn't even explain it to you. No, I do. I talked to them. I talked to them about it and they still use a keyboard. They don't use a computer. I mean, <laughs> Alan Moore I, I could be someone you could say that. Cause especially lately with his work, it's been so out there, but you know, not even really. I don't know that I, I don't know that Alan Moore embodies the swinging to the fences. No, I vibe. don't. I don't. I don't. Necessarily Ironic think that we're true. talking about like two British writers with baseball metaphors. Yeah, baseball metaphors. Baseball has a small but passionate fan base in England. <laughs> I'm sure it does. It does. I watched. I want. There was one one year I, I watched the All Star sure game there. It was on TV. I'm trying to agree with you. It was on TV, <laughs> and it was very funny to watch two British people comment commentate the All Star game and having to try to explain it to the people I was with, um, which isn't possible. Someone like Brian K. Vaughn, who doesn't do a ton of comics these days, but when he does, I feel like I'm not worried that what I'm going to get is going to be of a certain quality or of a certain comprehensibility. I almost think, and this is not to necessarily say that they're in the same rarefied air, but I almost think like a Jonathan Lehman. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say in a, in a somewhat similar way, but not is Mark Miller. Mark Miller is a great choice. Mark Miller came this from the Grant Morrison school was Grant Morrison's protege. They had, they a had a falling out, out. but he, Miller is someone who throws big ideas at the wall all the time. When do I get to work. have a falling out as your protege? Am any I, day am now, I overdue? Ryan, any day. Okay. Yeah. So any do I, moment, how do, really. I, do I talk to Carol? What's the process for initiating my falling out? You you gonna register an HR complaint? Is that what you want to do? I just feel like I should let Carol know that I'm falling out. Let's have this conversation after you edit this week's show. All right, that's fine. Um, yes, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, I mean, look what happened to Paul. Where'd he go? You know, you don't end up like him. Did he fall? Well, he's not here, is he? Um, gone. Kieran Gillen is somebody. What happened who, in Romo? I feel like Romo's gone too. <laughs> um, I think I think Miller's a Miller's a big one because Miller is is a guy who tells big idea stories. They aren't quite as, yeah. I wouldn't say as out there as Morrison's, but they are still like, here's my high concept story. I'm going to throw it out there. And it, it doesn't always work. I think Miller's probably, well, I also think, I think Miller, I think the difference between Mark Miller and like a Grant Morrison or an Alan Moore. And we've talked about this a lot recently. So I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here is that like Mark Miller writes a, a five issue arc that we all agree is like a little too short. Whereas mm-hmm. there are five volumes of, or four volumes of invisibles and five volumes of Promethea. Right. right. Like I, it, there's something about, it's both the bigness of the idea, but the stick to to be like, I'm also going to write 40, 50 issues of this, whether anybody can understand it or not. Right. And and that's, and I, I mentioned while we were discussing my falling out, I think Kieran Gillen 
another British writer. We seem to be stuck in the British Isles for this this question. I think he's someone who also also kind of fits in there as someone who has ideas that are so big that if you're not fully invested, they become quickly incomprehensible, but they clearly mean something to the people that care about them, right? The people who the people who really love Wicked and Divine, I don't know what they're seeing in that series, but they love it. And right. uh, I, I don't begrudge them in the slightest. It's clearly a well done comic. I just can't make heads or tails of it. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. So I mean, there's not a ton like Morrison. That's, that's why Morrison is who Morrison is. But there's a couple that are sort of in that conversation. There's someone like Mike Mignola where I think if you're not into what he's doing, you won't like anything that he does, but he's not, everything he does is sort of of a piece. Like it's all, you can tell that it's a Mike Mignola joint, you know, auteur theory or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, so he, he may not be to everyone's taste, but it doesn't, it doesn't hit that swinging for the fences vibe because he's just doing the thing that he does. You know what I'm trying to, I'm trying to like find the parameters. You're just trying to find an American to put in this camp. And I don't know that you're, you're going to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems to be a very British thing. What does that say about us? I don't know. There's a lot you could say about us. But well, I'm going to, I've, I've got it all in writing to Carol ready to hit send. <laughs> I'm sure your file is thick. Contact at ifanboy.com is how old man Tony wrote in. Good luck out there in the hellscape of Phoenix, Arizona. I think you're running out of water. Uh, you can also write in for our media. They definitely blood. don't need the help of Benjamin Gosney. There's no trees there to fell. No. Uh, you can also write in for our media. I've only been to Phoenix one time in my life and it was like 108 degrees and I did not like it. I was a child. All the Phoenix people listening who are now angry. I don't have, and there's no value judgment. I just remember on our cross country road trip, getting out of the car and being like, nope, I don't like it. It was hot. <laughs> I think I was eight. That was, that was the road trip where I first read uh, Giffen and McGuire's Justice League and Demetrius. Wow. I, bought, I, I picked them up at a gas station somewhere on that road trip. So it's a very monumental road trip. Also went to the. the, uh, quite, the quite the hitchhikers. Oh yeah, they, yeah, that's true. I read get them over it, and over, get, over, get over it, and over. Get trip. it, Giffen and Demetrius. Yes, picked them up. Hitchhikers. I picked them up. I was cramped right. in that car. See what you did next I week? say? Contact at fanboy dot com. That's what you can write in. Thanks for doing so. If you want to be in the media explode, write in and put media explode in the subject line. Let's do some plugs. This is a very busy time of year for extra shows. So this past week, right behind this show in the feed, you'll find our Flash review. Josh and I talked about the Flash. And then I think you're also going to find our Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse review. It hasn't actually been edited yet, but I think it's going to be there. I'm pretty sure. I'm hoping it will. And that's where you can find me and Josh and Paul Montgomery. He found his way back into our good graces discussing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So you can find those two film reviews, which were delayed because of my COVID infection, right behind us on the feed. Sorry, they were delayed. Uh, this coming week, we'll have a media explode show. We're going to be talking about the ends of Ted Lasso, Barry, Succession, and The Flash. You can look forward to that. In two weeks, we're going to have a talk explode. It's the exciting one that we teased last week that has not been recorded yet, so I'm not going to say who it is. But if it does end up happening, I'm, I'm very excited to listen to it. In three weeks, Josh and I are going to be reviewing It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth by Joey Thurgood. It's our book explode show. And then in four weeks, will be another media explode about something. Who knows? And then, and then again... Ryan and I and Paul, the animated brain trust will be discussing Justice League War World some point in July or August. I'm not sure when that's going to be. But there's a lot. It's going to be like five or six weeks in a row of uh, Thursday shows. So there's a lot to look forward to. 
Ryan, how is science sort of these days? Yeah, you don't. You clearly don't need any additional content if you're subscribed to this feed. But um, I I have been remiss in getting a little bit of extra content recorded for the uh, Listen, forthcoming you're a busy man. episode. You're a busy man. All about koalas. Koalas. If you've got koala questions, I've got a koala episode coming coming at you hot. Where Literally did that come hot from? They, uh, an, uh, an author in Australia who wrote a book. And Interesting. I, I talked to her. I spoke. What with is her. what is what is one thing we should know about koalas? What's the important thing? Uh, they're being administered a vaccine for, is it syphilis? What do they Chlamydia. have? <laughs> Chlamydia. Yeah. Um, koalas. The interesting thing about koalas is I, I'm a person who, who got my PhD in sloths. So they're similar to sloths in that they are an animal that came from a larger bodied ancestor that lived on the ground and they evolved into a fully arboreal lifestyle, which means they live in trees and a completely foliverous diet, which means they eat only leaves. And that's the same thing that happened to sloths just continents away. So uh, interesting parallel uh, convergent evolution in the, the koala sloth lineages. So hmm. that's, that's a very specific perspective that maybe only I can bring, but that's why you have me here. I, I presume you brought me here to talk about the convergent evolution of marsupial and placental mammals when it comes to our boil deliverous uh, suspensory lifestyles. That was of what you wanted me here to talk about. Of course. Um, and, and to pick the pick of the week. Naturally. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> our other 15. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about <laughs> sloths and you might've broken my brain. Um, Let's talk about the other shows we've done. We've got a library of over 1,300 shows and counting, and you can find almost all of them over at ifanboy.com or wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, you can follow us at ifanboycomics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And also, sometimes, usually, but not all the time, the best of the week in panels feature over the weekend. That's when I have time to showcase them. They go up there and individually. And I have a lot of fun doing that, by the way. And I like all the lunatics that it brings out of the internet to comment on them who aren't listeners of the show, but follow the account for the panels. Hey, I'll take it. Follow us individually. C.S. Kilpatrick, Instagram, J.A. Flanagan, Instagram, Ryan Haupt, Instagram, and Haupt, H-A-U-P-T on Twitter still. Have you joined any of those other ones? Blue Sky or what are they called? Or what are they ones? I haven't posted on Twitter. I think the Twitter thing. Have you joined any other, any other social media groups? No, no. I think, listen, I don't want to get into it. I think the era of social media is ending. Yes. I, <laughs> I think we, we are far past the zenith of when that was a relevant going concern. And Twitter is not going to be the social media network that, that prevents that collapse from happening. And um, I just listened to the This American Life where they, they featured the, the story about Elon's takeover. And it's, it's not restored my faith. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm going to pat myself at the back and say I was early in realizing how the mental health detriment that was social media and getting out of Facebook and Twitter more than five years ago at this point. And listen, if you're on them and you enjoy them, that's great. I'm not saying you shouldn't be on them, but most everyone I know who spends a lot of time on social media has mental health, uh, not mental health issues in terms of being uh, detrimentally affected by being on those things all the time. And I'm, look, be on them, don't be on them. It's your decision. But uh, man, I feel I, my life is so much better for not spending all my time scrolling Twitter and other places. You know, it's great reading books. You know what you, you struggle to do if you have an e-reader that can access social media, get books read. <laughs> so. Reading books is great. 
I'm doing a lot more of that now that I'm spending less time on those platforms. I'll tell you that. Subscribe to youtube.com slash ifanboy. Yes, you'll find our old video shows. And we, this show is there every week. If you want to go back and see our video show about the ultimate universe, you can. We did a whole show about it back then. Uh, I think, yeah. The, I think we did one early on that was so bad we didn't release it. And we re- redid it again and it was better. And it's there somewhere. But you can find it. Go to YouTube and type in ifanboy ultimate ultimate universe and you'll find it or ultimate comics or whatever Wait, it was. I was supposed to read this. I That's failed. Okay. Hang on. I got this. Okay. But in addition to that, you can write us a review or leave a star rating on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, reviews are the lifeblood of the terrible search algorithms that determine which podcast people see when they go searching for new podcasts to, to subscribe to. So any show that you like, go just give them, it can be a sense of just like, I like this show. It might made my day better one time and five stars. Then great. That's all we need. We love it. We love you. We thank you for it. Um, go, go do that. If you have the time to do so. And it's really appreciated. A new thing I've been trying with work mm-hmm. is if there's a task that, that comes to your mind, yeah. Nope, not even that. I'm not. Nope, nope. It's nope. literally if if you if you think of a task that would take less than two minutes to do, just go mm-hmm. ahead and do it. So if you're listening to this and you think it would take me less than two minutes to go leave a positive rating for iFanboy or any other podcast that I like, just go do it right now. Then you're done with it. Then you don't have to feel the, the next time Connor says this on the show, you'd be like, you get the positive feeling of like, I already did that. That's true. That's gonna be That's good. A good it's a good. It's, it's a good. good thing to, to think. It's a good tip. I enjoy the, your tips from Doctor Ryan Haupt. Haupt tips. Now what? Where Just do the we tip put, with Ryan Haupt. What? Uh, I enjoy the tips. <laughs> Connor Patrick, I fanboy. Well, this is a this look. I'm. We're entering summer. It's actually finally hot here in L.A. It's been Ooh. cold literally for like four months. I'm sitting here with sweat on the top of my head because of the heat. Come join me on the mountain, Connor. In the up in the upstairs hot box Come join that me I on call the, an on office. The t- on the tip of the mountain. I, I got I, all the tips. I don't here. like where this is going. I don't feel comfortable about it. So I'm just saying I'm start my brain's starting to go. I'm still a little COVID foggy, but I'm getting through it. Getting through it. And uh thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with my sickness for the last month or so. And I appreciate everyone who's uh, sent well wishes and messages. I appreciate it. And until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Hopefully Josh is still with us next week. He's going through it right now. I'm sure you'll hear about it next week on next week's show. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to stay alive.